Well, good morning, and it's so good to gather with you just to, to worship our great God and to look up and fix our eyes on him. Uh, welcome to you online as well. Uh, special welcome to you. Uh, great that you're joining with us today. Um, let me introduce myself. My name is uh, Mark. I'm a pastor of Discipleship and Compassion here at Harbor. And uh, the way I thought I'd start off for us today is to give you a phrase that you've probably heard before. The phrase is this, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. Now, now we know that that doesn't mean what you eat you will become. The idea of like if I eat broccoli, I don't know why, but if I eat broccoli and I only ate broccoli that I'd become a broccoli, that would not be the case. But what we eat, what we take into us changes us, it affects us. As I was searching that phrase online, sometimes I do that through the comic section, and a comic pulled up. So I want you to picture this comic with me. There it is. It's a, it's a little squirrel. He's lying on the couch of his therapist's office. And the squirrel has his little tiny little hands behind his head. And he says to the therapist, he says this, When I realized that you are what you eat, it was then that I realized that I was nuts. Ah, yeah, that's right. We are what we eat. What we take in affects us. Now, now think of this. If we eat nothing but junk food, we'll pretty quickly probably realize the effects of that, right? We'll see the effects on our life, maybe some weight gain, maybe feeling pretty lethargic, not so healthy feeling. If you flip that the other way, if we were to eat good, nutritious, healthy food each day, we would re realize the effects of, of that as well. We'd have boosted immunity, we'd feel healthy, we'd have more energy. We are what we eat. And I, I think we've even realized that over the last 20 some odd months. Um, some people have used this term, either the COVID-5 or the COVID-10 or even the COVID-15. The idea is how many pounds you've put on sitting at home snacking. And uh, please don't, after the service, guess what my number is. Let's just not, not say that to anyone. But the idea is what we ingest affects us. You are what you eat. This is this physical phenomenon that happens. But it's also a spiritual reality as well. It's not just physical. It's also spiritually. Spiritual. What we take in can affect our spiritual health, our relationship with God. What we take in can either grow us and grow our relationship with Christ, or it can do the exact opposite. It can be a detriment to us. It can, we can grow in our love for God. We can grow in our obedience to God. We can grow in our desire of him, or we can see the exact opposite happen. And I think sometimes we don't always recognize this. We don't always see this to be the case. We, we want this full life. We want to grow in our relationship with Christ, but we don't understand that what we consume, that what we ingest has an effect on our relationship with God. And so it's so important for us to pause as we're working through 1 Peter, for us to pause and consider these questions. What are we ingesting? If you think of your last week, what, what do you feast on? What do you allow into your mind, into your thoughts, into your heart, into your days? What are you feasting on? And, and how might it have an effect on your relationship with God? And if you flip it the other way, what should we be ingesting to grow our love for God, to grow in our relationship with Christ? Well, that's exactly what Peter is talking about as we come through this next portion of, of his letter, 1 Peter. I invite you to open up your Bibles and join me there in 1 Peter. And he encourages his readers of how to live a full life. 
and he reminds them, hey, guys, what you ingest has an effect on your spiritual lives. So open up your Bibles. It's first, or turn them on, First Peter chapter 2. And over the weeks, we've been working through First Peter, and this is kind of wrapping up that portion of it before we enter into the Christmas season. This is a letter written by Peter, uh, one of Jesus' disciples, and today we're wrapping up our series, How to Live a Full Life. So there we are, First Peter chapter 2, and I want to read for us the first three verses there, and follow along with me in your Bibles. Therefore... Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Uh, Right off the bat, right in verse 1, we see a word that starts off. What's that word? It says, therefore. And whenever you see that word, it means that whatever he's about to say or a biblical author is about to say is tied to what he has already said. And so although we may have like a chapter heading for chapter number two, that doesn't mean that this is a new thought. Peter is carrying on his argument that, that, we, that we've worked through, through, through 1 Peter 1. And if you remember back in 1 Peter 1, Peter's speaking about being holy. He's speaking about uh, the new life through Jesus, and, and he talks about the Word of God that brings that new life. Uh, I love verse 23 of chapter 1. It, it, Peter writes this, for you have been born again through the living and enduring Word of God. That's incredible. You have been born again through the living and enduring word of God. And, and so Peter's saying, because you, you have this new life, be like a baby and crave pure spiritual milk. Crave God's word. Crave this living and enduring word. And that's Peter's main command in these three verses. The idea to crave God's word. That that's what we should be ingesting. And as we look over these three verses, what we see surrounding that command are our two insights on how to grow that craving. And so what we're going to do first is we're going to look at those two insights that talk about how to grow that craving for God's words, and then we're going to look at what that looks like to crave God's word. So first of all, how do we grow this craving for God's word in our lives to live that full life? Uh, first, Peter says, uh, first I'll, I'll, I'll share with us is to remember that the Lord is good And actually, if you look to verse 3, I'm actually going to start at verse 3 first. Uh, We see this idea of remembering that the Lord is good. Peter writes this, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. That's an odd phrase, isn't it? (laughs) Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. I mean, what does that mean? Well, think about it for a second. What happens when you taste something? We know that tasting something isn't someone else eating some food and then telling us what it tastes like. (laughs) That's not tasting. Tasting is experiencing it for yourself. It's ingesting, it's tasting, it's experiencing it. It's not reading a book about it. It's not hearing about it from someone else. It's you experiencing it. And this is what Peter talks about. Taste, experience the Lord for yourself. And as you experience the Lord, as you look to him, as you seek to follow him, as you give your life to him, you find out that the Lord is good. 
the Lord is good, that he is gracious, that he is loving. I mean, we sang about these this morning, that his grace is immeasurable, that he is faithful, that he is power, that he is one who holds us and walks with us, that, that, that he has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And we see that back in chapter 1, right? He's given us this new life. Through, through, the, through the unblemished, precious blood of Christ and through the word, we have this new life. The Lord is good. And, and I thought I'd pause right now because I'm not, I'm not sure where you are standing in this. If you have experienced the Lord. And I wonder, that question right there, have you experienced the Lord? Have you turned and trusted in Jesus? That's the language we use around here. It's the idea of turning away from our sin Realizing we can't save ourselves or fix ourselves, that there's something wrong with us, and, and turn and repent of our sin and trust in Jesus. Trust in him for forgiveness and trust in him uh, as the leader of our lives. And, and I, I guarantee when you do that, and if you do that, you experience the Lord, and you experience that he is good. And if you have more questions about that, we'd love to talk with you about what that looks like to turn and trust in Jesus, of what it looks like to experience Jesus and be in relationship with him. For those of us who have done that, who have tasted that the Lord is good, I think you'll agree with me how easy it is for us to forget that. How easy it is for our eyes to shift off of that, for our attention to get diverted maybe through circumstances or life troubles or onto ourselves or situations or circumstances. And so it's important for us to meditate and to remember that the Lord is good. And that's what Peter is saying. He says, um, now that you have tasted, you've tasted it, remember it. Remember that the Lord is good. And, and I'm not sure when the last time you maybe have done something like this. When was the last time maybe you sat down with just your Bible, with a pad of paper, with a pen, or with your tablet, and typed out all the things and all the ways that God has been good to you? Have you ever done that? Maybe when was the last time you've done that? How, how the Lord's encouraged you in the past? How he's made a possible provision in your life? How he's answered prayer? How his grace has been sufficient? How he's forgiven you? How he's walked with you? How he's saved you? I wonder if this week you would set aside the time, maybe 10, 15 minutes without your Bible, tablet, or piece of paper, and just jot down, Lord, how have you been good to me? How have I seen your goodness? And will you just enjoy that? And I guarantee if you do that, it will be so encouraging to you. You'll, you'll see the goodness of our Lord. And you know what happens when we do that? You know what happens when we realize and remember the goodness of the Lord? We want more. <laughs> we want more of that. It's, it's almost as if we, it, it, kind of the picture I have in my mind is we've been eating all this low-quality food. And, and it seems like it's filling us, and it seems like it's good, but then we go to a gourmet restaurant. We sit down, and we put that food into our mouth, and, and it's just amazing, the flavors and the taste, and it, we just taste how good that food is, and we don't want to go back to the other stuff, and we want to experience more and more of that goodness. Uh, growing up, uh, my... This is all about eating food, so I have some fun stories here. Growing up, uh, my family's hot dog of choice was the Schneider's Red Hot. Maybe you know those from the grocery stores. Um, that was kind of our staple hot dog. We all, mom, make sure you get the Red Hot when you go to the grocery store. And uh, we love those. Love, love hot dogs. Probably not the healthiest things to ingest. Now we're talking about what you eat, we become. But anyways, um, Red Hots. And, and I love those things. 
Well, it was about the age of 20 when I went over to my buddy Ian's house for lunch. And it's then that he served me the Schneider's Juicy Jumbo. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, okay, whatever. I mean, it looks bigger. But then I remember biting into that hot dog and just kind of the juices exploding. And I was like, that's it. Red Hots, see you later. That was it for me. I mean, I just tasted the goodness and I wanted more. And so Jody knows that the hot dogs we buy in our house, no, no, Red Hots. No, we got to have the juicy jumbos because I want more and more of that. And that's just a silly, stupid illustration. But I think it gets us to understand when we experience the goodness of the Lord, we want more. We want more. And there's more to experience. It's not like we hit a limit of his goodness. His goodness continues on and on. And the more we explore it, the more we experience his goodness, we, there's more than yet to experience and enjoy. And so we, 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 we crave that. And what we realize is that he is better than anything this world has to offer. He is better than anything this world has. He is better than sin itself, although sin promises all these various things. He is better than anything that the world can offer. And so we remember that the Lord is good, and that grows in us a craving to want more. Secondly, Peter says this, to grow your craving for God's word, you need to rid yourself of sin. You need to rid yourself of sin. Verse 1 says this, rid yourself of all malice, and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And what Peter says here is that you need to remove these things. You need to rid yourself. This, this is not like a passive thing where we just kind of sit down and say, okay, maybe these sins are going to disappear, or, or maybe in a, in a couple years they're going to kind of go away. No, this is not sitting back. This is not sitting back and waiting, oh, Lord, you're going to take these away from me at some point, so I'll just kind of wait on you. That's not the idea here. This is actively working to remove sin from our lives. And the reason for this is a fewfold. The first reason why we're to rid sin from our lives is what we saw back in chapter one, right? We're called to sincerely and deeply love one another. And these lists of behaviors are incompatible with the community, God's community. These behaviors tear down and destroy the church. The second reason why we rid these things from our lives is because they're incompatible with our new life. We have a new life in Christ. Sin has been put to death. Our old self has been put to death. And so it's incompatible with this new life we have in Christ. And thirdly, why, this, why we're to rid ourselves from this is that it does this. It removes our craving for true spiritual nourishment. See, when we look to these things, when we fill our lives with these things that have empty promises, what happens is we no longer crave God's word. They're kind of like junk food. We allow them in our lives, we fill ourselves up with them, and then we don't want the real food. We have no appetite for the real food. I remember as a teenager getting home after school, maybe you teenagers can relate to this, you get home after school and you're just super hungry, right? You don't want to wait for supper. <laughs> and so what do you do? You go to that snack cupboard. You know, every house has a snack cupboard. Every house that I've been into has a snack cupboard. I go and find it. No, um, You open up that door though and what's there? There's chips, there's cookies, there's crackers, there's gummies. I mean, there's all that good stuff. And I, I remember as a teenager kind of going, that's my beeline. I would beeline to that door and open that up and I I would look down and I just want everything. I just want to devour everything. I was so hungry. And then, I don't know how this happens. 
I don't know how my mom heard me open that cupboard, but somehow she heard me open that cupboard, and what I would hear from the other room was this. Maybe you've said this, parents. Don't ruin your supper. Don't ruin your supper. And I'd be like, ah, man, I wanted to devour this stuff. And yes, it's going dev- to uh, ruin my appetite. And that's the idea that Peter is talking about here. You see, these sins, as with any sin, if we entertain those sins, if we pursue sin, if we kind of just ignore sin, if we let sin grow in our lives, what happens is that we lose an appetite for real, true spiritual nourishment. Our appetite is ruined. And the longer we let these sins stay, the longer we let these sins grow, what happens is our appetite, our craving for God and his word continues to decrease and decrease and decrease. And at the beginning, we might think, what's the big deal? What's the big deal to do this? Oh, everyone struggles or whatever, whatever lies we may say. We may say, what's the big deal? And they may not have an impact right there, but over time, they erode our appetite for God's word. And so Peter writes this, rid yourself. Rid yourself of these things. And, and he mentions five sins. He mentions five. The first is malice. Malice is this genuine word, or sorry, general word for ill will towards others. It's kind of that disposition of being negative and grouchy and complaining. It's the, it's the I don't want people to be happy. I don't want the best for people. And, and it's that malice that kind of, kind of travels underneath but then pops up in different words and verbally and, and actions, and that's malice. Deceit uh, is the second one, and Peter knew what deceit was because he was a fisherman. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but deceit, the, it literally means to bait a hook, to bait a hook. So it's this idea of, 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 of making something look attractive to get what you want from something. So all you fishermen out of her, you guys are full of deceit. <laughs> you're out there just tricking the little fish and by putting a worm or a little lure, and you're tricking the fish to get what you want. And that's the idea of deceit, that you're not thinking of others. You're just trying to like, hey, how can I get what I want to get? The third is hypocrisy. And I found it fascinating that, that this word actually comes from Greek theater, way back when. Greek theater. And, and the idea what actors would do is they would have a mask, and they would put the mask in front of their face. And that mask would have like a smiley face on it, or an angry face, or crazy eyebrows, or whatever. And what they would do is present an image that wasn't the real image. And do and you know what the actors were actually called? Hypocrites. There's <laughs> this idea that they had the front put up. And it's this idea that we, we present a facade that we do or we say something or do something that really doesn't match our interior. It's not really who we are. The fourth is envy. And that what's, that's what goes in our heart when, when someone else is blessed and, and, and we want to have what they have. Or when, when, um, when the other person is, uh, faces some misfortune, then we're happy about that. It's kind of that we don't want the best for people. We want the best for ourselves. And then lastly, slander is this idea of literally speaking down onto someone. It's kind of that cheap shot. It's the gossip. It's the tearing down of someone verbally. That could be with their knowledge or it could be behind their back. And what Peter does is gives all these levels of sin, or or sorry, not levels, but all these various sins that tear apart community. Because remember, just previously, he talked about how we are to uh, genuinely and deeply love one another. And he's saying, hey, these are the things, they're exact opposite of that. Rid yourselves 
of these things. Put them off. And if you don't, they're going to fester. They're going to grow. And not only will they destroy community and relationship within the body of Christ, more important, that's important, but more importantly, it's going to ruin your appetite. You have no craving for God and his word and what he wants to speak into you. And so I wonder if I could ask you, and this is just silent on your own, what sin is in your life that is affecting your craving for God's word? What sin in your life is ruining your appetite? It's keeping you from going to God's word and seeking him. And my heart for you is this. Would you turn from that? Would you turn to him? Would you be honest with him? Sometimes we think we can just hide it, but would we just be honest with him and come before him and say, Lord, this is... This is a sin in my life. This is something that I'm struggling with. This is, this is hard. And would you ask him for his help as you seek to actively combat that sin? And as we do that, as we seek to rid our lives of sin, as we go to him, we're reminded of the good news of Jesus. We're reminded of the gospel, that it's not what we do that, that earns our relationship with God. It's not what we do who saves us, but Christ has done all of that. His righteousness is upon us. This is not a means of ridding the sin. This is not a means of, of, of being saved. This is the response to the gospel in our lives. This is a response of this new life, that we have Christ's righteousness on us. And because of that, we want to seek to be holy. We want to seek to rid our lives of these things. And so would we go to him and ask for his help? Two things. Remember that the Lord is good actively rid ourselves of sin, and when we do that, we have this growing craving for God's word in our lives. Our appetite is not suppressed or ruined, and now we get to what Paul, Peter writes, sorry. He says, crave God's word. In verse 2, we read this, and he gives a great illustration. He says, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. Now, now, first off, that's a little bit confusing. What does he mean by this pure spiritual milk? It's this very interesting description. Um, I found it helpful to, I looked at some other translations, and, and other translations put it this way, crave spiritual milk of the word. And I think that helps communicate what Peter is talking about. It's the word of God. And, and, and not only does that fit in, but but if you look at the context of what Peter is talking about, right, you get back to chapter 1, and what's Peter talking about? He's talking about the Word, the living, enduring Word, and that Word is what brings us to life, gives us new life. And so naturally, if you carry on that argument, if the Word of God brings us to life, naturally and implicitly, the Word of God is what nourishes us and gives us what we need to grow. It brings us to life, but it also grows us. Um, and, and, and notice that it says pure spiritual milk. This is not, no additives here. There's, it's uncontaminated. It's un, not watered down. I, I mean, imagine if you took, I wouldn't suggest this, but imagine if you took your baby's milk and watered it down and gave it to your baby. It may fill their tummy, but inevitably they're going to want food faster but also they're just not going to get the nutrients and the antibodies that they need to continue to, to grow and be healthy. And just the same idea. We don't want to water this down. We don't want to add other things. We need God's word. We need to ingest it. And it's so vital to our spiritual lives. And notice how we crave God's word. I love the illustration. Crave like newborn babies. What are newborn babies like? I mean, newborn babies are faithful in letting you and everyone else know what? That they're hungry. 
It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of a conversation. It doesn't matter, this has happened to us, in the middle of a grocery store or the mall, or it doesn't matter if you're driving down the highway, the baby will let you know, I'm hungry. And the idea there is your baby has this insatiable craving. They want it. They need it. And that's what Peter is describing for us. That's the craving that he wants for his readers and in turn for us. Uh, See, Peter's not talking or referring to them as like baby Christians. That's not why he's talking about like babies drink spiritual milk. He's not saying you guys are uh, baby Christians or new Christians. What he is focusing on is that idea of craving, of insatiable desire, of a vigorous and passionate craving for God's words. And the reason for that is because that is the only thing, God's word is the only thing that can satisfy us that we can ingest. See, the world offers lots of various things. The world offers various things that says, hey, this will fulfill you. This will give you a full life. This will satisfy you. This will make you, give you purpose and meaning. And what we realize is those things are just malnourishment. They don't satisfy us. But God's word is what satisfies us. God's word is what fills us and nourishes us. As you look throughout scripture, um, I just looked through the Psalms this, this week and just saw multiple ways on how authors talk about just their craving for God's word. And, and I want to read a couple for you this morning. Actually, one was already read for, for us this morning. It's Psalm 1. But I, I thought I'd read it again, and, th- and then there's another psalm I want to refer to. But listen to these words. This is Psalm 1. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Delighting in the law of the Lord. That's the idea of craving. And when we crave it and when we ingest God's word, we're like a tree. We're strong and producing fruit. I love Psalm 119. And maybe, maybe what you could do this week as well, maybe you could take some time to read through Psalm 119. And Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in Scripture. It's 176 verses, so you can break it. Actually, it is broken down into chunks. But it all speaks to the uh, the importance and the goodness of God's Word. Listen to some of these verses that I pulled out. This is verse 10. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. That's verse 10. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Verse 129, your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. I love those images of just this hunger and this desire to ingest God's word, that craving. And I wonder if we can ask ourselves this question. I'm asking myself this question as well. And the question is this, do you crave the word of God? Do you crave the words of God? Of God, Do you have this passionate desire in you to, to ingest God's word, to read and to understand and meditate on it? And I wonder if I was to give us a little bit of a scale, like one to ten, and one being, yeah, you know what, I really have no desire, and ten being, oh my goodness, uh, it's insatiable. I want to experience, I want to read God's word each day and just uh, 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 intake that. Where would you place yourself on that, that kind of continuum? And, and, and I'm not doing that to kind of make us, uh, to judge us or to make us feel guilty. of just an honest, honest understanding. Where am I in that, Lord? And, and maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're just like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I'm pretty low on that scale. I'm pretty low or I, I want to grow more in that. 
And, and what I'd love to encourage you to do is, is, again, just be honest with God. I love that we can just come to God and be honest. We don't have to put up a front. We don't have to pretend like everything is good. We can just come before him and say, Lord, yeah, you know what? I don't have that craving like I want to have. I don't have that. God, would you, would you work in me? Would you grow that craving in me? So at some level, it's a, hey, we just need to be honest with God. And God, would you grow that craving in us? I want to know your words. I want to obey them. I want to ingest them. I want to live them. But, but there's another aspect here, and I, I, I'm not sure if you noticed this, but Peter's words here is a command. It's not a, oh, you know, craving is going to come. It's going to rise up, and you're going to have this craving. No, it's actually a command. He says, crave, like babies, crave God's word, pure spiritual uh, uh, milk. So it's this idea that we have to take an act. We have to seek to, to ingest God's word. Uh, I'm, I'm a part of a, a community group, and, and there's n- numerous things that I just enjoy about my group, but there are three things that I just want to highlight today of what I really appreciate about our group and what I see happening in other groups. But the first is this, that, that we have a desire to ingest God's Word, that we see the importance of God's Word, how, how important it is in our life and for growth. That's the first thing I really appreciate about the, those in my group. The second thing I appreciate is our honesty. We're not there yet. <laughs> we we, we want to grow in that. We're not as consistent as we want to be. And, and so that's the second thing, just that we're honest about it. But the third is this, and what I really appreciate it is that we say, hey, you know, every time we get together, we're going to make goals to grow in our reading of God's word and connecting with God. And we're going to come back the next time we meet and see how we're doing in that. That's not to check off a thing, but, but we realize that if we're not intentional about this, we don't have other people in our lives who are helping us in this, we won't be growing in this. And we need that relationship. We need that community. And that's why groups are so important, whether it's a community group or a D group that we have others in our lives that we're intentionally taking steps forward to grow in our craving of God's word. When we remember that the Lord is good, when we actively work through his grace to, to rid ourselves of sin, what happens is we grow this craving for God's word. We grow this craving for the words that God has written to us and given to us. We have that hunger, and then there's an effect because of that. Not only do we just have a craving for God's word, there's an effect. And you see it in verse 2. It says this at the end of verse 2. So that by it, you may grow up in your salvation. As we're talking about this idea of how to grow a full life, this is a full life. Growing up in our salvation. That's something we want to pursue. That's something that we want to see happen in our lives. A full life is not what the world calls a full life. A full life of the world is not material accumulation or relationship or status or position or whatever you may throw in there. A full life is growing in our salvation. And I love the phrase back in chapter 1, the living and enduring word of God. It's the word of God that gives us that new life. And as we continue to feed on the word of God and crave the word of God, what we experience is that full life. We experience a growing up in our salvation. We experience uh, maturity, becoming more and more like Christ. We gain knowledge. We experience salvation in the fullness, and we participate in all that God has for us. And Harbor, I know this is your heart, and this is my heart too, that we would be a people who would daily run to his word, 
that we would grow in our craving for what God has to say to us, that we would want to ingest that. And may we not just ingest this, may we be people who read his words, hear his voice speaking to us, and may we be people who are convicted and walk forward in obedience who actively pursue to be holy, to follow after him, to respond to the gospel in our lives, that he has saved us and we want to respond in that way. That's our desire, to live deep. We want to experience more transformation, and we experience more transformation when we crave God's word, when we run to him, and we seek to hear from him and respond to him. Can I pray for us this morning? Lord, we thank you that you are good, and we thank you that your goodness goes on, that as we experience more of your goodness, there's still more that we can experience and enjoy. And Lord, we thank you for the new life that you have given us through your son, through your word, and may you help us even this week to give us a a hate for sin, to give us help in combating sin that takes away our hunger for you and your word. Would you grow our craving as we ingest your word? And would you use others in our lives? And would we be used in others' lives to help encourage them to grow and be responsive to your word? And may we grow up in our salvation. May we experience the fullness of our salvation and participate in all that you have for us. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, Before I send us off this week with those four words we send us off with, just want to remind us there's a worship night this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock here, and come as we worship our great God, invite you to join us. And this week as we go out, maybe you can do some of those things. Maybe you can come before God, be honest. Maybe you can write a list of how God has been good to you. Maybe you could read through Psalm 119, and would you just seek to grow in that craving of God's word? And as you grow in that, Would we walk in obedience? Harbor, we are sent.